Hello and welcome to Geeks of Grimdark, your home for everything Warhammer, be they elves or Eldar, space marines or stormcast, we've got you covered. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and unfortunately my co-host Axel Wright can't be with me today because he has been lost to the war. He might join us, he might not. It's all in the Emperor's hands at this point, folks. Now, before we get going, we want to start every episode the same way we start all our episodes, by thanking the people that give us money that allow us to do this podcast. Those are our wonderful, wonderful patrons, and they are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Solomansky, and Seth Decker. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeksfield. A dollar a month gets you access, early access to all our episodes, two dollars gets you bonus content, and so on and so forth. Basically, the more you give us, the more we give you. Now, on to today's episode. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, good evening. My name is Matt Swift. Uh, I'm son of Nemeton on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm going to speak to you about the wonderful, illustrious, and glorious barbarians that are the Empress Spears. Yeah, this is a really cool army, and I'll let you kind of explain, but they literally came out of nowhere, and then overnight I saw armies popping up everywhere, everyone doing conversions and kit bashes and whatnot. So I'll let you talk a little bit, you know, about who they are, where they came from, and all that goodness, because I don't know how many people know about them. Yeah, they're they're very much a niche uh, a niche army. Um, they've been represented at Warhammer World for a very long time in the form of a single model. <laughs> in their in their grand array of chapters, there is a single Emperor's Spears model, uh, which sits in the middle and is is long lost and forlorn on his own. Um, and Aaron has done a fantastic job taking what is essentially um, not a non-existent chapter, but a chapter that so little is known about that he had completely free reign and creating something really unique and interesting out of it. Um, they are a Bastion founding. They are pre-Primaris. They are from the 25th founding, uh, around about the mid to late 40th millennium. Uh, so they've seen about a thousand years of service before we even get to uh, get to the uh, Noctis Aeterni uh, and the breaking of the Imperium. They were founded to support the Celestial Lions, that most maligned of chapters, uh, the Inquisition's favorite punching bag. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> along with the uh, along with the Scar star scorpions formed the uh, adeptus Villari, which are a, a triad of chapters who who guard this area of space uh sadly things do not go well for any of them um the celestial lions have the gall to question the inquisition and are subsequently uh made to suffer at their hands and the star scorpions um have some issues with their gene seed is the official imperial line and uh, and vanish at uh, some point prior to the um, prior to the Great Rift, um, but the spears maintain themselves. They uh, they stand firm in the face of all this darkness and uh, effectively have now become the dominant chapter in the in the Ilara's Vale, the region of space they are uh, presiding over. And they are interesting. They're they're an, an ultramarine successor, and they're a really good example of how you can take a successor chapter to one of the really well known legions that's really well defined has this massive history and very clear archetype and completely go the opposite way with them um when they were when they were developed by aaron he very much took the idea of what would happen if you had um space marine auxiliaries to the roman legions uh, so the celts the picts the gales uh the ithacas the grecians they all have a, a kind of an element in what makes up the spears this collection of island nation tribesmen who become superhuman warriors um so they, they do descend from ultramarines, but they are not the noble sons of Gullum. And these are very much the frontier savages who have kept the dark at bay. And that makes them really fun for me because you have that contrast to who they 
originally came from, uh, which has made even more stark as time has gone on. Really, really fun, really unique, really interesting chapter. Yeah, no, I, I love that as a pitch. I have, I think it's, the book's called Spears of the Emperor, correct? Same name or is it yes. different? Yeah. Yeah, uh, by Aaron Dembski Bowden. I have it on my to-read pile. And when I first heard, it's like, so it's kind of sort of like what happened when Rome pulled out of Britain and they kind of reverted back to their tribal, you know, ways, but space Marines. And I'm like, oh, that sounds incredible. Absolutely that, everyone yeah. Everyone gushed about the book. I'm like, oh, I got to read this. But to, to go on to the book quickly before we go back to the army itself, the book's interesting because it's written from a very human perspective. And we've got tons of Black Library books that deal with space marines through the eyes of space marines and not very many that go, what would it be like to be surrounded by space marines if you were a five foot four woman? Huh. And that gives it a really interesting edge. And there are some fantastic lines in that book that really drive home the fact that space marines are not pleasant. <laughs> basically yeah and, see, and seeing the battlefield after space marines have been at it is horrifying it's terrifying yep, to yep, witness yep. Uh, and he, he captures that really well as well which is, is very good to see no adb is really good about using that outsider perspective to kind of gaze in at you know typically a lot of times it's marines but no i really do like the whole these are killing machine monsters what does it look like, you know, to the mortals compared to how they see themselves versus how they are actually depicted? Yeah, absolutely. And and we occasionally get those feed-ins of like the um, the superhuman dread, the fact that space marines have this physical, physiological impact on mortals. Um, and these are mortals. The mortals in the book are ones that have been around space marines their entire lives, and they still have that moment when they meet the spears of going, oh, oh, okay, these guys aren't quite like the mentors I'm used to, and it it just completely. Um, throws into contrast these two space marine chapters and how fundamentally different they are it's brilliant it's very well written oh that that's really good like that's i do i love a good flavorful space marine chapter because you know so many black library books are written about space marines so it's always really kind of fun when you get one that like this one feels vastly different from you know the ones i've been reading about the ones i know and i do like it when they you know bring or pay attention uh, bring attention to the fact that these are nine foot tall warriors even if they're <laughs> standing there the level of intimidation factor alone would be unsettling yeah it'd be like being surrounded by terry cruz and eddie hall at the same time it's not gonna be a fun yes. experience for you it, exactly um. it is that very much you know you're much bigger than me and even though you're smiling and jovial i know you could break me absolutely absolutely and then you get that background hum of the power armor so your teeth are on edge you feel uncomfortable and then they start speaking and oh it's, yeah terrifying and, terrifying and go and these ones are barbarians but not barbarians like you've seen before they're their own special flavor that just to me that's a winning combination yeah so a, a lot of people when these guys first kind of uh hit their stride and started becoming a bit more known um so the run-up to the release of the book and then the armies that came out afterwards a lot of people were looking at them and thinking, oh, so they're space wolves, uh, which is understandable in the same it's way the that the, easy white, comparison. the white scars. Yeah, same as the white scars and space wolves during the heresy to outsiders, like, oh, you're just barbarians like the sons of Russ and the white scars being there like, sorry, I've stabbed, <laughs> I've stabbed men for less than that. Um, the spears are very much the same. They aren't that bombastic, um, saga-driven individual that the space wolf would be they're very much a tribe they're very much a clan and, and the, the idea of of honor and glory and sagas is still a thing but it's almost flipped on its head uh, mm -hmm. so when when each of the spears rises to the ranks of brotherhood 
um, they get given a gears. Uh, it's like a, a fate, a promise uh, by one of the seers of Nemerton. And that's almost then their saga pre-written. And no matter what happens, that gears will come to pass. That's their belief that this gears is ironclad fate. And all they can do is achieve glory until it comes true. And the gears could be anything from uh, the warrior's death to the warrior's greatest achievement to the fact they're going to have eggs for breakfast the next day. No one really knows like what this gears is. It's all down to the interpretation of the battle brother individually. Um, and that kind of informs their their way of war. So they're close combat specialists, much like the wolves. They have that barbarian element. They're head takers, but they're not berserkers. Mm-hmm. And when the spears go to war, they have this ebb and flow, much like the the kind of oceans of Nemeton, where they have these raging storms and then exceptional calm as the sea, as the waters recede. And they will go charging in with battle cries, and they will absolutely butcher what's in front of them. But then they almost go into this uh, kind of dirge state where they, they start chanting and they start rallying together and they start readying themselves. So all you can hear across the battlefield is this almost funeri- funereal dirge from these 200 warriors or 50 warriors, whatever size of army they've assembled, before the sphere comes rattling overhead and then they all charge in together. It's really quite evocative. Um, oh, that's awesome. So things like um, the opening scene of Gladiator, when they're fighting Germanic tribes, it's that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've seen Centurion, it's the ambush of the of the Ninth Legion in the in the forest. Like all of those elements, kind of combined in Space Marine form. And it. Hey, someone else that saw Centurion. Oh, Centurion! I thought I was the only one. Film. No, no, no. Centurion is is probably my favorite Roman based film. Yeah, I'm in the same with, boat. But it's up there with Gladiator. It's a low budget Channel Four British made film, and it does a better job than almost any Roman film at con- conveying Brit- Roman Britain in particular. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's it's very greedy. I I, I didn't think anyone else saw that movie. It, uh, it's brilliant. I watch it once every couple of years or so, uh, and uh, introduce my other half. To my other half is Scottish uh, from Pictish descent. Um, ah. So I introduced her to the film and she spent the first half going, I can't believe this. They're, they're doing this all over again and then got to the, the twist. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm on board with this film now. I like this. <laughs> oh, we're killing the Romans now. Okay, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yeah, it uh, sounds to me like it's very much inspired by the historical tribes, you know, in and around Europe, which I immediately love the distinction, like, yes, they're barbarians, but they're not barbarians in the type you know, because barbarian is a catch-all term for, you Mm. know, everything that wasn't Roman. And I even love that they're based on the Ultramarines, which are a very Romanesque army. Yes, yeah. And um, something that gets brought up as they're first flying over Nemeton is that there's all these um, beautiful, like, marble cities dotted around the landscape that are just abandoned and fallen to ruin, much like celtic roman britain and um <laughs> uh, and thrace when rome pulled out of thrace and uh, north africa and places like that all the cities that rome built they either got built over knocked down burned sacked raided or they were just abandoned and left so you have these tumble down structures of what would have been at the, at the height of the crusade when it was brought to compliance by the ultramarines and uh, interestingly the the going theory is that the imperial commander of the mortal forces was, was a woman called alara which is why it's alara's veil and the spears have taken her and in her in their myths made her the emperor's wife and the reigns of Nemeton and his sorrow at the death of Alara. It's all very, very deep and meaningful. Um, but yeah, all these like heresy era cities are just abandoned, scattered the landscapers, uh, tumble down ruins and remnants of this once great Ultramar empire that's never quite reached the same level, even the 500 worlds of, of Ultramar that's, that's seen today. 
and they've kind of embraced elements of it like their rank markings are very roman uh, their sergeants have um longitude uh, longitudinal lateral transverse crests and their officers have longitudinal crests much like centurions and and praetors of of rome but that's kind of as far as it goes when the we're taking on the ultramarine stuff which is uh it's interesting they very very tiny remnants mm. you know where they came from that's that's really cool that's a nice touch i can get behind that i yeah. can see how that would really i can see why people would be inspired to you know build an army around them absolutely yeah because you can kind of you very quickly pick out characters without kind of changing too much about them but it's like yeah he's got the long crest that's the captain and you can tell the high king from the captain because the high king's crest is pure white and the captain's is white and black and and you get this very visual horde uh without yeah um, without making it unusable on the tabletop um because you still have those very strict points of order and, le- and leadership in the in the lines which is quite cool it, um, no that really i i i dig that because it's essentially it feels to me like from my perspective it's a pre-made army it's got the lore it's got the setting it's got all this great stuff that just kind of goes here you go now you know you're, you're set up and go which is interesting okay. that it came from just one little dude yeah i mean the, the, there was a couple of people that were doing emperor spears armies without kind of to, to use the terminology before it was cool um unfortunately <laughs> I'm, I'm not one of them i very much jumped on the adb bandwagon and uh, and started an army as a result of the book but there were two or three people that were doing these forces for a while so they have been around a little bit, but uh, the Index Astartes article in this month's White Dwarf, uh, and if you were lucky enough to get hold of the limited edition book, it came with a limited Index Astartes booklet, which had all the lore and all the background and everything else. And that was what kicked it off for me. As I was looking, reading that and just taking it all in and like the different elements, the different war hosts, they have a very autonomous battle system of, of war hosts rather than companies. Um, they have druids, which are really cool. Um, so they don't have a standard chaplaincy, librarius, uh, an apothecarian, and tech marines. They have uh, they have the chaplains, librarians, and tech marines, but they are all trained as apothecaries. Uh, they don't have standalone apothecaries. They're all multi-role characters uh, who form the role of druids, which again touches back on that whole Iron Age Celtic, both pre- and post-Roman occupation, and the, the idea you'd have these wise leaders uh, who are also likely to be the medicine men and, and healers of the tribe, uh, and they've kind of enshrined that as as a role within the chapter, taking that straight from their own tribes and putting it into into the chapter itself, which is quite cool. You're uh, already selling me on this army. Like I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> I didn't realize I needed to build this army. I just thought they looked cool, but they're also... I, right I get for conversion opportunities i get told quite a lot that i enable people with armies it's probably a habit i should stop but <laughs> <laughs> let's dive real quick and what how did you decide to get into this was it just reading the book and going oh well i need to run this as an army now because i can see this in my head or that's very much the, the short version of it um so i'm, I'm a narrative gamer at heart um, I, I grew up reading campaigns and battle reports from the era of white dwarf where you had things like rock's drift and every battle report was staged around a specific uh, event and they created these characters and stories that went with it and that for me is is the absolute peak of hobby um match play all well and good if you match play is your bag go for it have fun but for me if i can't tell a story with an army it, it's less interesting to me yeah uh, so re- re- reading the spears book um doing some digging into the like the small bits and pieces that have gone before, reading the Index article, and now with the White Dwarf as well. For me, I, c- I can tell a story with this army. Um, I can create characters that, you know, for me, I can see them on the tabletop. I can understand what they're like uh, and the character of the chapter. Um, 
so when I'm when I'm playing the army, I'll have an assault intercessor squad with an eleven inch charge at, at some massive beastie and think now the stra- strategically competent thing to do here is probably not to charge that but <laughs> i'm going to because it tells the story of what the spears would do they're, they're headhunters they're going to go and try and take that thing down because that that's the nature of them yeah um, and th- that's kind of what drew me to the spears they, to go back to the space wolf comparison they feel a lot like this how the space wolves used to be um before they kind of ramped the space wolves up to 11 um so the kind of second third fourth head up to fifth head sort of codex uh space wolves they have that same sort of feel of of that kind of noble barbarian um very stripped back very um very raw very raw and honest uh so that's what drew me to them uh and i run them as an army accordingly um the the new chapter trait in the white dwarf uh, red in the earth is a a reworking of the one they got in the limited edition um it very much focuses on a, a kind of up close and personal army which matches their fluff which i really like uh, it makes them quite dangerous in combat um which is what you want really from your nine foot tall transhuman monsters uh, especially when they're armed with weaponized chainsaws and uh, miniature miniature missile launchers of pistols no i can 100 percent get behind the thematicness of it all because my grand big project I've been slowly working through because I'm a madman is I, I collect ultramarines and I am building my ultramarine army to be codex compliant. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm that guy and I'm about a quarter of the way through. But each squad, I do little different things to or, I you know, I put that little touch because I, I agree with you. I think that is the fun part of the hobby is, you know, mm. making them tell a story because otherwise, why are you bothering to collect all of these little plastic guys if you're not going to you know do something more than just assemble them the way they are in the box exactly yeah like kit bashes conversions adding a bit of character taking them from from that baseline plastic kit and making them your version of that model or that unit that that for me is great and crusade the uh, the new ninth ed narrative freeform campaign system really drives that home and it's a lot of fun to play yeah i keep eyeing crusade going i need to figure out how to make this work because i have ideas for this it's great we, we've just started a, a little campaign among a group of me uh, me and some friends um, obviously due to current situation we can't play in person so we're having to revert to tabletop simulator um, which isn't ideal but it's better than nothing yeah um, but uh, and as the codexes get released, they'll have their own codex uh, crusade tables in them. But the marine one has some some really characterful options, like um, the the battle traits you can give units, things like marksman on it. So we've had marksman on it on transfer sheets and on shoulder pads and molded detail for two decades, and it's never had a purpose. And now you actually can use that piece to represent on the model the fact this unit has achieved something and has gained that experience, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So I, I can well, fully endorse it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen some of your models and you have done some pretty impressive kit bashings and modifications. So how when you like you look, how do you go about deciding what you want to do? Do you start with a character or does the character come after you've added the bits? Because I don't think you have any. I don't think any of your Marines look like standard on the box Marines. Uh, the only ones that come close are the, the standard intercessors. Uh, and even they've got a couple of little tweaks on them. But um the standard line troops i tend to just kind of tweak a bit mainly in posing um i'm less worried about necessarily the character of that unit as a whole and more about have i made it the way i want does it look the way i want it to look does it fit my idea for the army as a whole 
Characters, mm-hmm. I tend to start the other direction, though. So the characters, I'll generally think about who the character is. Um, so, for example, my conversion of uh, Aracatus, the sword bearer, the chapter master and high king of, of Nemeton. Um, for him, I wanted to convey the, the idea that he is uh, a very calm, collected commander. He's a veteran. Um, while he's still a capable warrior, he's more concerned with how his chapter survives. And he's he's adopting this kind of supreme command leadership role, which is why I use the... Um, Kasura Khan model, uh, which has that very kind of commanding but quite static pose, um, and then kind of twisted around a bit, changed an arm out, so he's directing his troops, um, changed the sword out. So the sword he has is a shaved down resin Terminator sword from um, the Cataphracty kit, Fortral Cataphracty kit. I, I, I struggled for ages with the sword because I couldn't work out how to convey the idea of this Nemetes history and how you get the culture across in a model that is fundamentally fairly plain ceramite um there's a lot of room for freehand and bits and pieces and you can use the transfers for the ogham and the runes but the weapons weapons for any culture and particularly for space marines are usually quite iconic and i couldn't find a way of conveying this sword and did some research and found out that leaf blades were a really big thing for the celts of, of the iron age era and so i ended up sat there shaving down for about 45 minutes this oh, resin no. sword to get the shape right and thankfully didn't have to do it twice i managed to just about get it the way i wanted it to look first time but um but that's where that came from so it's, it's kind of drawing on these different elements about who the character is where they're based what's their history their culture and then trying to find a way to assemble all that together in a way that doesn't then either overload the model or drive you insane uh, <laughs> and i say i'm about 50 50 on that at the moment same with the, the lieutenant um so the, the lieutenant with the spear uh, which was the the first model i posted up actually for the spears it was the first model i worked on for the army um, the spear is made out of a, a storm cast piece a wood elf piece uh, and a couple of marine bits as well and then it's the um, dark imperium the eighth edition starter box lieutenant and again it was a case of wanting to represent that kind of that history of the spears and aaron kind of takes the takes the mickey out of a lot of spears players for for making all these not taking the mickey that's harsh he uh, he reminds us that actually the emperor's spears don't only fight with spears so don't make your entire <laughs> army armed with spears in in the same way that you know the uh, the emperor's swords aren't entirely armed with power swords like there it, it's just a name it doesn't necessarily mean everything about the chapter is based around spears um but you've got to have at least power one spears right? are cool. like that's something I wish we would see more of because that to me, there's a lot of cool pull arm variants that I wish games workshop would invest in. Like I would love to uh, equip all my outriders with, you know, big long lances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember when they brought power spears back in, I think it was in seventh edition when they had the, the first like uh, different AP ratings for different power weapons, uh, either sixth or seventh and looked at that and thought, I need to do something with this. I didn't, in the end, end up doing anything with it. I got distracted. But the fact that you have these different weapons with different properties is great. And spears are such an iconic weapon, particularly for barbarian-like armies, um, that I needed at least one, basically. <laughs> and I will no yeah. doubt have more. Um, my my warhost lord is probably going to be converted from um, Ragnar, and he's probably going to be plunging a spear downwards into some unfortunate... Uh, I no, suspect. Why not? I mean, it looks cool. And again, there's so many power swords and power hammers and power fists. Where are all the power spears and the the cool the variations? Absolutely, absolutely. We need more. We need to put the knight back into space knights. <laughs> yeah, an army like 100%. dark angels, ra- ra- a raven wing wedge, all armed with power lances, going straight into the heart. Oh, that's, that's cool. cool. That's the sort yeah, of thing I, like. I, I, I don't know. I just want more. <laughs> va- I want more variations of my swords. Like I love giving my space marines swords. 
but there's only so many sword types out there. And it's like, come on. I know there's some crazy designs out there. I know you could really get some cool sculpts. And no, power spears. Let's start with power spears and power lances and just power <laughs> poleaxe. You know, I'm sure it exists. Halberds. Yes, and halberds and all that crazy stuff. So with a lot of this new Primera stuff coming out, I know one of the big complaints a lot of people have had is looked at it going, well, how do I make that look like my chapter? And with your chapter being so visually unique, when you see some of these new ones, do you immediately start going, okay, this is what I'm going to do to make give you that Emperor's Spears flavor? Uh, sort of, yeah. So um, I'll generally, I've got, I'm quite lucky and I've got quite a substantial bits box. So I can generally find some furs or some skins or some knives I can add to models to make them feel more spears like. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, a good example, I think, would be the, the Blade Guard. Um, so the Blade Guard out the box are beautiful, beautiful models um, with the yes, tilting shields and the robes and the shields. They look, they look fantastic. Uh, and a couple of guys have done great Empress Spears painting jobs on them, including the the heavy metal painter whose name sadly escapes me at the moment. And he's done the, the painting for the White Dwarf article and they look amazing. But to me, they felt very much like these are spears that are wearing the armor of the Ultramarines. And that in and of itself is cool. That tells a story. But for me, I, I wanted to do something slightly different. So I looked at what I could do with the different kits like hell blasters and intercessors and how I can combine them. Um, so I took like the heavily armored bodies of the, of the hell blasters and combined them with combat arms from assault intercessors um, and a couple of very much digging through the depths of the intercessor sprue to find the arm that's straightest. That I could then lop the hand off to put a sword on type thing. I've um, done that. <laughs> it, it's a rite of passage. Everyone needs to needs to have dug through an entire sprue to find the one bit they need at some point, and then inevitably clip it out and drop it on the carpet. But it's it's just a case of being open to the possibilities of what the sprue can do, and looking at the pieces not necessarily as they're presented, but how you could use them. And that sounds really airy fairy and very nebulous, but like just try things out, glue blue tack things together, clip bits off the sprue, and make sure you've got a pot you can put them in if they don't work, so you don't lose them. Like just just play with the kits. Um, the the Primera sprues are a lot more forgiving than I think they're necessarily given credit for um, yeah i agree like the, the marine the, the, range... the thickness of the plastic help you really be able to try some stuff and not oh well took too much out of that and he's like no no he's still got plenty of you know uh plastic it it's it's fixable still yeah like worst case scenario and you over file or over clip something like a little bit of liquid green stuff let it cure and file it back and you generally can't tell once it's painted but like the, the standard Marine range, the first generation Marines, they had 30 years of development to get to the level of kits and bits that we have today. The Primaris Marines are only four years old, five years old. Like they're, they're going to be more limited at the moment. But there's enough you can do between the two ranges anyway. Like The heads and shoulder pads, for example, are interchangeable. So if you're playing a barbar barbarian chapter like the Spears, grab a Space Wolf pad that has a fur on it and stick that on. It fits, it works, it does the, does the job, it's still within scale. Um so there's plenty of flex you've got amongst amongst the two ranges as well. So people, I think just it just needs a bit of broader vision, perhaps on on the bits that are available to you. Um, but uh, it can be a challenge, no word of a lie. But uh, it's a, it's a fun one. Yeah. So I feel like this next question we've already you know we already kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Go for it. What? Why do you like? What is it about the spears of the emperor that speaks to you? And it made you go, "This is my army. This is the one I want to put my you know time and effort into craft." kind of three elements really the gameplay sides i like the way that they they come across in the book um i'm a big fan of close combat marine armies i've got 
Wolves for Heresy. Um, I've played Wolves in 40k, uh, and now I'm onto the Spears. Obviously, like they're they're very much a close quarters, close combat. Look the enemy in the eye and kill them anyway. Uh, kind of army, which I appreciate and I have fun playing. Um, from a model perspective, I think it opened up a lot of very different items and different avenues for me to play with. Um, taking these fairly kind of clean standard marines and turning them into these barbarians of Nemeton. Um, and finally, just again, going back to the, the, the story aspect I spoke about earlier, it's, it's an army I can tell a story with. And even if I lose the game horribly, I can create headcanon that I'm happy with at that. So I don't walk away from the game thinking I didn't get anything out of it. Even if I lose, I walk away thinking, okay, so this battle in Alara's Vale has gone badly. And that's a problem. Um, and then, then that might inform what we do in our next game. So I might take a different character or take a different unit and try and beat back the enemy that I've just lost to and things like that. So it, it's those those three elements really combined that that really sell the spears for me. No, I can I can get that. So do you you said you're a narrative gamer? Do you run a lot of campaigns or how do you? I have done historically. Um, so there's a, a heresy community uh, all over the world that started in the UK called Crusade and Heresy. And every year I used to run the Friday night, Friday daytime gaming at Warhammer World pre-event uh, before the Heresy Weekender. Uh, so I've written campaigns for that. We've just started up this new uh, online crusade campaign with some friends. So uh, I'm working with one of my friends to flesh that one out, um, mostly because I've not got time at the moment to, to do the whole thing. But uh, he's also very keen, which is great. I've done crusade packs to give to other people to run uh, and um, generally played around with a few of the mechanics of it, which is is another element I really enjoy. Like I could sit and spend a weekend writing a crusade pack or a campaign pack, and that's a weekend well spent to me. <laughs> Even if it's yeah, a campaign no. that never gets played or I never play and I give it to someone else, that's still, it's a big part of the hobby for me and I really enjoy it. No, I can 100% get behind that. I've, you know, written, I've, I used to have a file of uh, special scenarios for eight, never got played, but it was still fun to try and find interesting, weird ways to, you know, use it. And I went back to find like, oh, I can just modify this for, you know, the most recent edition. And I went, oh, don't have it anymore. Like, oh, I had some really good ideas in there. <laughs> oh, and no. the best thing is like they actually work with the rules now. Before I was really trying to bend them to fit. But now it's like, no, no, that crusade stuff. It's right in there. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think again not to labor the point or generally uh bore our, bore our listeners but crusade really is great uh, it, it gives such freedom to the way you play um and it just allows you to have fun like, you've not got to worry about it it's it doesn't require bookkeeping it doesn't require some grand narrative you can make it up on the fly um we have put a bit of kind of structure around ours it's based in a single system there's certain planets all the rest of it but that's kind of as far as it goes you haven't got to work out you know the different phases of a campaign or how many battles you have to play per week to get to the end of the campaign or what what's happened all the rest of it like each player just runs their own crusade journal and that's it it's it's takes all the stress out of it it's great no i've definitely looked into that and like you know i might try that when the world returns to normal if <laughs> it ever returns to normal it's like this could this could be a lot of fun and if nothing else it would motivate me like after the game to modify the squads i ran like all right you guys lost terribly get ready for some battle damage exactly yeah you could put some chipping on the models or like if one of your characters gets a battle scar they get bionics instead like mm -hmm. um and even if you don't want to cut up and replace a model you've already painted it gives you an excuse to, to make a new one um yes like if your captain gets promoted to chapter master does he get a shiny new sword to go with that type thing like there's a lot you can play around with with that and it just really helps drive the story behind your own collection whether that's spears or a different army entirely um 
it becomes much easier to then stitch that together as a as a kind of full army and collection rather than just being a group of models okay so last thing we can kind of have fun with this one how do you like to play them i mean you've kind of talked about that but what is like your strategy like when you how do they, how do they play as an army i think it's kind of obvious at this point but you know what let's let's get into the nitty-gritty <laughs> um i kind of take a lot of what the way i used to play my wolves back in fifth edition uh, where they were king of the midfield and the spears are very much the same the way that their chapter trait works so red in the earth you get plus one to move advance and charge as uh, not to move sorry just advance and charge uh, and then you have yeah it's not bad it's, it's essentially the combination of hungry for battle and whirlwind of rage from the from the main codex so you have exploding sixes in melee and the uh the bonuses to advance and charge sadly you can't advance and charge i, I need that for my reason i need the advance and charge but unfortunately they've they've not sworn fit to give us that but uh, i understand why it keeps keeps people like the wolves a bit special um so i tend to move up quickly try and capture the mid ground um if i've got objectives in my own deployment zone i, I try not to place them there if i can avoid it um, but that's where units like a you know Hellblasters goes, or um, perhaps a Druid if it's the Librarian, um, someone that I don't need to be up front doesn't doesn't need to be up into the fight. I can leave back. Um, but if I control the middle of the board, it gives me gives me options. Then I can either hold or I can charge, uh, and I still have most of my army's bonuses as a result. I tend to then split the army in two. So I have a, an element of gun line, so I'll have intercessors and um, probably unit of Hellblasters, and then I have the assault side, which is. As always, you know, Blade Guard. Every Space Marine army needs at least one unit of Blade Guard. Um, <laughs> and one to two unit of Assault Incessors. Uh, and potentially Outriders. I'm, I'm currently toying with the Outriders as to whether or not they can they can fill a role as well as either flankers or as the point of the spear. And then the ca- the characters tend to go with that blob. And, and they advance as a, as a single cohesive mass of angry chainswords and try and tear the throat out of the enemy's army as best as they can. Uh, and that way I've still got units filling the mission on the objectives with the the bolt rifle intercessors or the hellblasters but it means i can still play that forward game i can still do the charges and and go and take that heroic stance at the front of the battlefield which is what the uh, the spears are all about so do you feel like with the rules as they're written now do you feel like it's a good representation of them in your mind very much so yeah i mean when the um there was an faq in eighth edition that that got rid of the red and the earth trait they, it was uh, it was deemed to be no longer uh, no longer right for the game which is a bit of a shame but we, we had a few other things we could play around with. We had the successor traits. And most of us had already taken Whirlwind of Rage as our choice. So uh, there's a Facebook community of, of Spears players. We talk about quite a lot on there. Um, and Whirlwind of Rage was very much the foundation of the Spears because that's what Red and the Earth used to be, basically. Uh, and then there was a bit of debate about what the other one would be. Was it going to be Born Heroes, so we get plus one to hit on the charge? Or was it going to be Hungry for Battles to get to combat quicker? Or was it Stoic to represent their very kind of indomitable and bitter and stubborn nature? Um and I settled on Hungry for Battle anyway, so the army hasn't really changed much for me going into the official rules of the Index, uh, which has been quite nice. <laughs> Less to learn going uh, going back into games. Well, yeah, but you don't reason... want your strategy getting upset. Exactly, yeah. I mean, most of those you can kind of work with. Like If I'd lost Hungry for Battle and gained Born Heroes, that's fine. It means my Blade Guard hit on twos without an Ancient, or my Assault Incessors hit on twos on, on the charge. That's great. I'm happy with that. That's no problem. But yeah, the reason that we'd all kind of settled on those those options is because reading the book and, and the index and the fluff we've been given that is what they are they are hungry for battle they they are brutal close quarters fighters they just have a bit of discipline as well and there's, that, there's that a little bit you know left yeah. over from when they were ultramarines exactly yeah and, and weirdly that it almost makes them 
a little bit like Iron Warriors in a way. Um, there's a lot of, I, I know it's, this is a controversial statement. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Uh, <laughs> so the, the Iron Warriors and the Heresy, um, there's multiple accounts of them being as savage as world eaters in combat and then just stopping like someone has flipped a switch. And the spears are kind of like that. They will have this brutal savage charge and then they'll stop and they'll start doing their war dirge and they'll reset. And you'll have this kind of eerie calm amongst all the warriors that are present. And then they go again. So they're not the kind of these minor savages. They do have that ability to to think tactically as well. Um, so I think hungry for battle represents their ability to get into combat quickly, and then they can kind of take it a bit slow after that. And the whirlwind of rage is just them absolutely giving everything they've got into that charge uh, and trying to cut down whatever's in front of them. All right. So this is this is, you know, this is interesting to ask you. You know, you as a narrative player, do you feel that they're a well balanced army? I'm going to go with yes. They have definitely become more powerful since the Index. The fact that they are now formally in writing Ultramarines successes, uh, so you get access to the Ultramarine supplement as well, plus the relics and tra- stratagems and warlord traits in the Index, and then the Core Marine book as well. The Core Marine, Core Marine book is in a good place right now. It's in a, a fairly um, a fairly strong place. Like We're seeing some of the new stuff in the Death Guard, which is very powerful but very niche, whereas the, the Space Marine book is very much a, a solid all-rounder. Um, I think they're in a, a very good place, provided that you play them to the manner they're intended. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you, if you try to do like a gunline army or an armored army with spears, you're probably not going to get as much out of them as you would from uh, fists or iron hands. And that's entirely how it should be from a narrative perspective. Um, you want to create an army that rewards the player that plays it to the story. Um, and the spears definitely do that. I think you get a lot out of them if you if you play them as as a close combat, close quarters army. That's great. I do. I I'd love to hear that. That you know, through like it seems like Games Workshop has taken note of their rising popularity and you know the supplement and everything. Mm. Yeah. So the 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 series of relics they have, for example, um, they get a, a druidic talisman, uh, which basically allows you to re-roll either your psychic test uh, or your uh, litany. Um, being obviously the druids were both librarians and chaplains, so you, you can flex it to either character, which is interesting. We've not seen that before, really. Um, and that on a reclusiarch or um, the upper-ranked chaplain who litanies on twos with the rerolls, that's guaranteed litanies. That's that's probably the best chaplain you're going to find in any Space Marine army at the moment. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> it's hard to find a downside to that. Um, and then things like the Beast High Cloak, that basically gives them the minus one damage that Death Guard have, so they're more durable. Um warlord traits that uh, make your warlord into that kind of barbarian war leader he's always supposed to be uh, and stratagems that really speak to the nature of the chapter so you've got uh, Sco- so yeah skovakara ulzarun is the war chant of the emperor spears it translates as red in the earth uh, so shed the enemy's blood go and kill them uh, and that boosts them on the charge so you know they shout this as they charge into combat we've now got a stratagem that represents that battle cry and represents what it does to the spears when they charge in uh, and that kind of barbarian um, forward horde assault type thing. But their second stratagem then speaks to their discipline and the um, the Ultramarines' history, which is called Fighters Brothers, which means that you and any units in combat with the same thing as you all benefit from the fact that you are fighting together against this one target. <laughs> so you get this like this real kind of dual nature of the chapter of this like individual, I'm going to go kill that thing, and then that, okay, now we're here. Bob, do you mind giving me a hand? And like that you get that kind of squad bond element as well, which is really cool to see. 
you are really making me want to start an <laughs> army that I don't need. And fortunately, I can now link in my co-host, who has made it out of the warp and will be joining us, hopefully, right now. Axel, can you hear us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yay, he made it out of the warp, folks. Evening, Axel. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry I came in late, but Ulrich told me roughly 55 minutes ago that we wouldn't start for an hour, so I blame him. Yeah, I, no, it was all... <laughs> gotta, love time, gotta love time zones, they're great fun. Time zones are a nightmare. Why do we have time zones? We should all be on one time. <laughs> anyway, real quick, real quick, without taking too much time to to recap, rehash what's already happened, what has already happened? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to start an Emperor's Spears army. <laughs> yes. More spears. More spears for the Vale. Always more spears. <laughs> when I heard Emperor's Spears, when, when Ulrich told us we were talking about it, I thought of uh, the, the, the Emperor's Talons, you know, custodies uh... and and stuff. So I had no idea what the Emperor's Spurs are. I literally have no knowledge, and I'm not going to ask you to re-talk about <laughs> things you talked about since I weren't here, generally speaking. But can I get a a like a like four sentence quick overview? <laughs> Absolutely. So the Emperor's Spears are essentially what would have happened to uh, Britain and the Roman auxiliary nations when the Romans pulled out. They're an ultramarine successor that was founded in the Bastion founding of M20, uh, well, 25th founding in M40, about 500 to the end of that millennium. Uh, been in service for about a thousand years. They own the world of Nemeton, which is an ocean world with a series of islands. Um, they vary from the poles all the way through the equator to the South Pole, uh, giving a real kind of racial and cultural diversity across the world as well, which is very cool. Uh, they are a close quarters specialist army. They like to go up and hit things, but they're not berserkers. They're barbarians. They're not berserkers. Uh, so, so like, control. so they're they're Space Marine Aquaman. Uh, not so much. They're very, they're very much Iron Age Celts in power armor. <laughs> All right, I like that explanation better because I'm a big fan of Celtic <laughs> history and Celtic mythology. Okay, okay. Yeah. So what's their, what's their symbol, real quick? Uh, it's a trident. Um, so the there was a big thing about they're called the Emperor's Spears, but they have a trident, and they had to be pointed <laughs> out that a, tri a trident is a kind of spear, which uh, <laughs> upset a lot of people. Uh, so and, you have, a, and you have like a, a an army of this you've built. Uh, it's still a little bit work in progress, but I do have a functioning force of them at the moment. There's a few units that are still on the work table, like some Blade Guard veteran conversions using uh, Hellblaster bodies to make them a bit more heavily armored and brutal without the robes and stuff. Uh, yeah. And I've got some Outriders and some Assault Intercessors that still need to be finished up, but uh, they are getting there, and I'm really looking right. forward to getting them on the table. Cool. Yeah, sorry to come in late with, like, I have no idea what these two have been talking about for the last, I guess, 40 minutes. But, uh, <laughs> but so, this is what this is what happened. This is a unique situation. So, anyway, thanks, Matt. Okay. No, no worries, bud. What were we talking about before I joined, then? Uh, we just got on to talking about how I play them in-game. Um, and, again... You said they're... To... Okay, you said they're mostly melee, right? They're like a melee army? They get a lot of benefits from melee, yeah. So I treat them much like kind of fifth edition space wolves. I take up the middle middle of the battlefield, try and hold that, and then send the assault elements forward to get in close and use their chapter traits to the best of their ability, and generally try and win. <laughs> it does help. All right, all right. I have uh, a goofy. I have a goofy question for you right off the bat. Then shoot. So so when you're building these models, right, to be specifically for for this chapter. What uniqueness do you add to it? I'm sorry if Orc already asked this, but like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you're a, you're a seafaring space marine thing. Maybe add some like barnacles on a shoulder or something. Like, 
do you do anything unique like that in regards to creating your models? Uh, to an extent, yeah. I mean, I, I try and, as saying to to or before, um, I try and make each unit slightly unique. I try and add some elements to it that take, that pulls on the the kind of Nemeton theme and the history of the chapter and give it that kind of that flavor and culture. And um, they're from a, an ocean world, but they're not really ocean aligned. They don't tend to kind of follow a nautical theme. It's very much around uh, Iron Age Celts. They have um, beast pelts, um, not to the extent the Space Wolves do, but they do wear like. Um, but you are definitely close to space wolves who use a bunch of pelts and stuff on their on their models. There are there, there are definitely outward similarities. The the example I gave earlier was like the uh, remembrances when they were looking at the fifth and sixth legions, and the white scars were always treated like space wolves, but were actually kind of the noble savages versus the berserker berserker savages. And the spears tend to err towards the noble savage side. They're very much the kind of slightly more restrained, slightly more um, stoic and. British, <laughs> British barbarians. <laughs> um, okay, British okay. barbarians. Okay, I will, I will so, hold back my curiosity. I'll just listen to this episode later, but uh, I'll, I'll hold back my curiosity for like lore and stuff. So, okay, all right. So, how you play? If you want a kind of a, a three-way, uh, three three main points to make them feel like spears, add ogham runes, add the occasional bits of fur and trophies. Do that in the paint scheme. They will they will have the feel of spears if you trophies? want that. Like. Like fish on a plaque kind of trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure angling is a particularly big Nemeti sport unless it's for something big, <laughs> big, big and uh, and toothy. Um, they're head takers. Uh, there's a couple of bits in the in the law, uh, both in the short stories in the index and in the in the main book about taking trophies from fallen enemies. So whether that's skulls or armor fragments, things like that, they very I much. I didn't go ask you before that though. Mentality. Do you model some of your units with heads on their belt? I haven't yet, but the combat-based units are going to. I've got an idea for the... Uh, so I want to do a unit of incursors for them, which are going to be a, a real kind of interesting modeling project for me because I want them to be the the slightly more berserk element. So while they're not berserkers, I want these guys to be the shock troops. And mm-hmm. um, so the idea is to have their their incursor helm, helms on them, but to have... Uh, I've got the, the Citadel skull kit, so I'm going to take the jawbones that come with that, the, the human jawbones, cut them down the middle between the incisors, and then have them basically strapped with green stuff twine to what either is... side of the helm. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Real quick, what's the color scheme? I'm sure you just mentioned it already, but... It's a cerulean kind of light blue, um, and then they have white helms. Uh, they don't use the helm color for rank markings. They have crests. So you have a transverse crest for sergeant and a longitudinal crest for their, um, they're called battle guard, which is their lieutenant equivalent, uh, their war host lords, which are captains, and their ard rai, their high king, which is the chapter master. And it's the color of that crest that di- di- dictates the rank of each uh, of each unit. So you got kind um, of a seafoam general theme, theme going on, and they have yeah, this the, yeah, the, the color is very much tied to Nemeton. So um, the blue is to represent both the sky and the sea. The white is for the kind of the cloud cover that quite often uh, surrounds Nemeton. It's a very stormy world. Uh, I have I have so many questions, but I'm sure most of them are already answered. So I'm going <laughs> to hold them. So <laughs> I, I'm more than happy to keep talking, guys. It's entirely uh, entirely at your leisure, I'm sure. So if you do have questions you want to ask, if it, if you guys want to ask him, crack on. I'm, I've got uh, nowhere to be. I'm feeling relatively awake for half past midnight. It's all, good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, one question I, I'm, I've been dying to ask is as this army continues to gain popularity and support, let's put aside the probability. Would you want Games Workshop to release an official Spears of the Emperor Codex? Or supplement for that matter, because there are really more supplements than there are codexes now. And, and... If yes, 
what would you want to see in it? So possibly not the answer you're expecting, but actually, no, I don't, I don't think that there's, I think, I think to go down the route of a full supplement is probably a bit much. I think the index article covers a lot of it. Um, so do you treat them mechanically as space wolves then? No, no, they're, they're space Marines, but they have their own um, chapter trait. So they're a successor chapter of the ultramarines. They have their oh, own ultramarines. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So they, that bit is covered so you can go back and listen to how they differ from the ultramarines later but um they have their own successor chapter traits which are basically hungry for battle and whirlwind of rage uh, so i play them using that but i think the the benefit of them uh, and the reason and the way that aaron writes them is very much not to enshrine too much in the lore already so that players have the opportunity to play around with it and to to get creative with it Okay, go back to the narrative side. Something I always struggled with as a narrative gamer is playing Space Wolves and trying to come up with my own Wolf Lord because there's only 12 of them and they're already written down and they have names and battle companies and sigils. Um, so unless you set it in a different time frame from the kind of the present, in inverted commas, it's difficult to get that kind of creativity out of them. Whereas with the Spears, because they're so unknown, because there is so much that's not written, you have the flexibility to go in and and create your own universe or your own like part of the Warhammer universe, which is exactly why I, I like chapters like that. I would like to have seen a bit more out of the index. Um, I think if we've got a data sheet for the Druids in particular, that would have been fantastic um, or even like an upgrade for them. So for 20 points or one power level, you add an Arthisium and the healing ability to a chaplain, tech Marine or librarian. Like that would have covered them from a narrative perspective in game. Um, All right. So, so what you're saying is, if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, you don't need a full index. You just need like a couple paragraphs in the codex to reference them. Is what you're looking for. Basically, if they just lifted the index Astartes article out of the current White Dwarf, this month's White Dwarf, and dropped it into either a wider supplement for successor chapters or into the main codex i'd be very happy with that the fact they now have official rules that's that's more than good enough for me for now they've got warlord traits they've got stratagems they've got relics um like i said the only missed opportunity i think was maybe a named character um maybe taking brayak from the book and giving him a data sheet that would have been quite cool i mean having uh, one named character is... for your faction seems pretty standard <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh... it... go on sorry mate. well it's interesting to know the reason i asked is because almost every faction that has appeared in a supplement at least previously has found its way into a battle tome or codex somewhere mm. and that's why when i saw emperor's spears like well that's really cool that's really what i wanted out of you know this uh sub uh, when they did her doing the index of starties was you know doing these chapters that aren't going to get it. but now i wonder if like well are they going to put them in the next ultramarine supplement and if so what does that mean I that's why I just kind of wonder when, you know, that I saw that, like, well, does our, you know, Emperor Spear player want that? It's like, no, no, I'm good. I, I don't need any more attention. Just a few <laughs> things more, guys. And I'm happy. I, I think what we will see is probably a, a collection of Index Astartes articles like they've done in the past. But to cover those those kind of successor chapters, they've they've looked at in more detail. I think that might get produced as a book. Um, I'd buy but, that because there's some. Yeah, same. There. Yeah, right. Like, it, just interesting reading, if nothing else, and getting a sense of of what other chapters are out there so it's probably because of the the nema uh hyphen or i don't know what the word morphine that's being used in, in the the wording you're used but my mind is going right to the the marvel character that's basically aquaman so in <laughs> so i'm imagining i'm imagining space marines but pirates essentially they they have adopt they've had to adopt a slightly let's say um acquisitional approach to the to alara's veil um, <laughs> So Alara's Veil is broken. 
Um, it's invaded by the Exilarchy and the Pure, um, which are a uh, space marine, a chaos space marine um, warband, essentially. Traders. Who is traders. Yeah, tra yeah, traders who are who are leading this army of possessed and demons and mortals across Alara's Vale, and not to kind of rain pillage. They're they're deliberately setting up their own kingdoms and their own kind of mini empires within the Vale, and that's what the uh, the Celestial Lions and the Emperor Spears are trying to fight against. But in order to do so, they've had to kind of break the codex a bit. Um, ah. So the, the the chapter fleet is a lot bigger than it should be, and it includes vessels they really shouldn't have. Like there are Imperial Navy ships that are repainted in Emperor Spears colors, which goes against the tenets of the codex because of the heresy. Like these guys are on the verge of going into almost astral claws like territory. Um, no one knows how many war hosts there are. No one knows how big the war hosts are. The navy is massively above the size it should be. But that's because the necessity of living in the Dark Imperium and because of where they are, they have to fight against the worst that can be thrown against them with no support. They're, they're not getting reinforcements. When um, when they were given the Primaris genes, they weren't given the pre-made Primaris Marines to go with it. They were just told how to make Primaris and then the fleet left. Um, <laughs> Here you go. This is this will hold you over, right? No. Yeah, well, well yeah, we got yeah. a lot of places to be. I don't know. It still sounds pretty sailory to me. Like here, here's how you do things, but we're not going to actually help you do it. So go figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> the way I read it, and I'm sure it was intentional. This reads very much like Dark Age Britain and Ireland, when literally everyone was showing up on the shores, going, "I'd like a piece," and them going, "Where'd those Romans go? They were here just a minute ago." The, the the current fluff is definitely leaning in towards that like you've got this invading force that's trying to steal your land so you've got the essentially this is the saxons uh, is, <laughs> the, so the, the exilarchy and the pure at this point are doing exactly what the saxons did to britain uh this is well pre pre-viking the, the saxons have, haven't settled yet my but that's brain, what they're doing they're I'm, coming in and go on, my man. brain immediately went to two space marines singing uh 500 miles because the proclaimers are scottish so <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, you, you've got this this as you say, Dark Age, uh, Britain, Celtic, uh, and again, like going going into the more wider cultural aspect of, of Nemeton, you have the slightly more Grecian aspects closer to the equator as well, where things like Thrace and Macedon or Macedonia rather um, started then doing their own expansionist uh, items against the former Roman colonies. So it, it's all based around that sort of level of history, which is very cool. Ah, oh, I need to read this book now, and I'm I'm severely tempted to start this army. It's like I don't need it. There's I don't I don't I don't have space for it, but this is such a thematically rich army that it's a, it sounds so cool, and I'm really looking forward to see what else you do with it. For an army that has one book and an index, it yeah. shouldn't have as it shouldn't have as much flavor as it does, and the fact it does is amazing. <laughs> no man, you know ADB's like oh no I got to write a sequel now. Uh, apparently it's a book of it's a, it's a trilogy apparently. So it's gonna be a trilogy. Okay, so it was always okay. Um, good. Not, this not one just definitely... tie iron down, but <laughs> I, I want I want more of this. I want to know more, and I I would love just you know just one special character. Maybe that would that would uh, tide me over if I could have one character to paint, put on my shelf, and going. There's my Emperor's spear army. Just one guy. So would it, be too, would it be too far out of the realms of reality if I give him a, a naval hat? <laughs> Possibly you your damn pirate hats. I, I, like, you're, you're, I, mean, I don't know if it's the Kraken rum getting into your system, but you're definitely on a pirate steam right now. <laughs> I drank Kraken. That was what I drank to get to where I am right now. So That's it's it entirely understandable. It doesn't help that my main orc faction is freebooters, so I'm all into pirates. That will also do it, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but to come back to the whole like converting a character thing, uh, Brayak, who is the the main subject but not the narrator of the book, uh, is described in in a lot of detail. So you could very easily read the book and recreate him quite faithfully. Oh, that's awesome. Not that I'm trying to twist your arm in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, I'm already going to my head and it's like, yeah, I think he's that piece. Now. Oh, what about that piece? No, that'd be hey, Ulrich, why, why don't you Why don't you give me your sister's models and make an Emperor's Spears model army instead? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Well, I think we are now going to transition into our outro. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. Thank you for giving us all this great lore. Thank you for making me really <laughs> have to fight the urge. <laughs> to start yet another army that I don't need. And and thank you for putting up with very drunk Axel who did <laughs> who should have who should have been here from the beginning, but there was communication issues. So you know things happen. It's so. been an absolute pleasure guys. Thank you very much. Um I will endeavor to post up as many images of Emperor Spears as possible to try and get you to to actually commit to this army. That's now my goal. <laughs> my hobby goal for, oh, for the I... next two weeks is to get as many units <laughs> as possible to try and poke you over the line. I have already got <laughs> ideas. All right, so it's at this point in the podcast, we're going to turn it over to you and let you promote whatever you want to promote. Fantastic. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Son of Nemeton, or one word, and exactly the same over on Instagram. Uh, that's where I post all my hobby stuff. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, which is under Spears of the Emperor. Feel free to come and join us on there. And there are inf- there's information on that group on how to join our Discord server as well, which isn't run by me, but has is has a great community. It's very active. Uh, plenty of really helpful people on there as well. All right. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things, because that is literally how we got to season two. You guys like this. You guys shared this. You guys told us, give us a season two. And here we are with season two. And it is all because of you guys, our fans. And whatever platform you're currently listening to us on, whether it be SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, thank you. And if there's any other platform you would prefer us to be on that would be more convenient for you, let us know what it is so we can look into it. I promise I will be more professional, generally speaking. This is more of an exception than anything. So, (laughs) as always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Until next time, may the dice roll ever in your favor. <laughs>